Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for Still, a Michael J. Fox movie, Davis Guggenheim, and the film's editor, Michael Hart. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? What did it mean to be still? I wouldn't know I was ever still. That's him. That's our star. I want this job. I can do it. Whatever the exception is, I can fix it. I can be older. I can be taller. I can be anything. The popularity of Michael J. Fox is a phenomenon. Here is Michael J. Fox. What is the secret of your success? And the winner is Michael J. Fox. I don't believe this. This is great. I feel four feet tall. I get it. I was big. I was bigger than bubblegum. I woke up and I noticed my pinky. Auto-animated. Parkinson's disease. I told Tracy the news. In sickness and in health, I remember her whispering. No one outside of my family knew. There was only one reason I took these pills. To hide. But all those years of hiding was shaking me away. Davis and Michael, uh, thank you so much for your film. I loved Still. It's so good, uh, so energetic and, and beautiful. I love it. Davis, if I'm not mistaken, you were the one who approached Michael to make a documentary about him, right? Did his did he, he and his family need much convincing? Um, Michael was into it right away. Uh, he um, I'd read his book and I uh, was super excited and he just, he had seen a documentary I made about the electric guitar called the Mike Louds and he loved Jimmy Page. And so I, I uh, luckily I had an in that way with him and his only, um, only thing he ever asked the entire project was no violins. Like he didn't, he did he, he said, it's very important to me that this film has a proper tone to it. Well, I wanted to ask about that tone. I mean, I feel like well, I'm curious how you balanced pe- what people's expectations for a movie about Michael J. Fox might have been versus, you know, how how lighthearted and hilarious he seems to be in real life. You know, I, I, I assumed a, a lot of people could go into this movie thinking about his illness with just pity or or even condescension or, or, or any of that, just not not ready to laugh about it. But that's exactly what Michael seems to want to do. <laughs> There's the scene of him falling on the sidewalk and popping up and making jokes. So how did you kind of balance what people's expectations might have been with the actual 
energy of Michael himself. I think any movie, there's um, you go in with certain expectations. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna see Guardians of the Galaxy with my daughter in a couple of days, and I I expect it to be a certain way. And I think um, Michael J. Fox does a great job with that, but Michael Hart does a great job as well. And there's this sort of breakthrough that we had, and Michael can talk about this in a second when you see Michael J. Fox wake up and he puts his foot in his slippers and his feet are a little tight. And then you see his hand at the sink and it's shaking. And I think the audience goes, oh no, this is the movie I thought I was gonna see. It's gonna be a pity party, as Michael J. Fox would say. And then right away, Michael Hart puts in this incredible line where I ask, um, is, this a, is this the sad sack story of a guy who gets a debilitating disease and it crushes him? And Michael says, that's boring. And immediately, Michael Hart subverts that expectation. Yeah, we kind of give, we give the audience what they were expecting for the first, well, it's definitely when you see him for the first time, as David said, you go, oh, okay. And we're giving them what they expect. And then I know me and Davis would be very complimentary to each other, but his question is perfect. Because Davis confronts that and says, well, what, what do you, you know, this is what, what it's a fat tax story. And he says that line, that's boring and flips the whole bone on its head. And at that point, that for us is, is a, it was a door to go, we can do what we want now. He is allowing us. And, and you know, it's funny. I always, every film, it's, it's a battle to, to find the right tone. What is the tone of this movie? But weirdly in this one, we took our lead from him as a, his character. And um, he, it's the film is, is, is oh, well, that was my goal to be as reflective of him as a person. The, the movie is a reflect, reflect, reflection of him as a person. Um, and, and, and because of that, it allows us to have so much fun with the movie and to, to be playful and to play with, even to play with the form. If you think about it, it kind of all comes from him because he, that's who he is, you know? Absolutely. And you certainly do play with the, the form, uh, you know, going into the movie, I did not expect, you know, cutting in with all of the films from his life and recreating scenes from his life from scenes from his films. Take me through for for both of you. I'd love to hear about the kind of the overall process for putting together the structure of the movie. Um, I'm curious, did you do all of the interviews with Michael first and then bring an outline, Davis, bring an outline to Michael Hart? Like how, what, how was, uh, how did you develop the structure of the film? Well, I just want to be clear that Michael and I compliment each other on these things, but we really don't like each other at all. Perfect. Perfect. So I'll try I, to avoid I, some drama here. I, I want to, uh, underneath it all, there's just 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 a, a bubbling, you know, cauldron of 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 contempt. Yeah, you could feel it. You could feel it. It's a little awkward, but that's okay. Yeah. But the uh, the what's what's what was great. The, Michael's right about that. Like we couldn't force the story to be something that Michael is not, but we also had his books. And so we had this thing called a story summit, which Michael Hart made fun of from the very beginning. But, you know, we, 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 before we shot a frame of footage, we all met in LA. He flew from, Michael flew from England and we sat with the audiobooks, and um, which, you know, we just had underlined and set up and put up cards with our, with Will Cohen who helped us and then I'm marrying the producer. And we laid out a structure, um, which changed a great deal. 
but there were some basic elements that I think we knew we could hang the, the story on. And it's great because normally I come into the edits or introduction of a movie or documentary about two thirds of the way into the process. Davis played a very clever trick, which is like, let's start in the edits, see what, what where it takes us. And, and the audiobooks are so strong and they're so rich that it allowed us to have that audio. It was about an hour and a half, two hours of, of just, just his books, his audio book. Um, we could have just added pictures to those and it would still work because they're so well written. But but what we had what I started to do was add an add an archive, add add from different um not 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 as playful as, as we you see it in the final product, but just you know, archive interviews from different parts of his life and um some home movie footage. And we had a rough structure of just archive and I started getting excited as most editors do which is like oh I think we can make this entirely through archive but that's a vanity project for an editor that's what that is and 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 I laugh at it looking back now and Davis said let me shoot an interview with him there's a few gaps here let's see how this goes and 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 how he performs in the interview and I got that interview back um one day in the edits and Davis didn't say anything to me he just said just have a look at it see what you think and it was hands down the best interview I've ever had in the edit, hands down by a mile. And it was like totally a game changer for the production. And we were like, okay, everything we've done up to this point is kind of secondary to this. You watch the film, you know, it's, it's nicely edited. And but actually, the heart and soul of the the movie is his interview and his, him, him and Davis is kind of back and forth. And that's then that was then we once that happened, it was like, okay, how do we make this this work? And there's one step to that. It should be said. I mean, you know, Michael's found amazing archive, and then I was my instinct always was to fix it with scripted elements, so like reenactments. And so there became this sort of battle, uh, produ productive battle, yeah, of, yeah. of of what goes in there. And uh, so I would I would store, you know, and Michael was in, but a lot of it was in London. And I was in LA and so I would storyboard and Michael would wake up with all these storyboards and he'd try them and then put them in. And then, then the next day I would wake up and he would have thrown them out. And then he finds a scene from bright lights, big city. Yeah. And then I would go, wait a minute, you know, but that doesn't do this. And so it, it, it was a, it's, it's interesting that you, you think you, you want to avoid battles in a creative process, but sometimes the worst situation is when you're doing things all by yourself. And when you have a, an equal rival who is like in a, in the most you know kind of like friendly way um, battling for this thing, and to the point where I think neither of us thought it would get to where it was, which was like like in the first scene, Michael's sleeping in the bed in the hotel, and then suddenly he wakes up and he turns, and then Michael Hart puts in what what are those two shots from? I can't remember when he wakes up. Bright lights, big city. When he wakes up, yeah, yeah. and. That was in, yeah, which came in late, by the way. We we had that scene cut without that, but suddenly, like we, I don't think either of us imagined that it would be a combination of the two. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that the day, the, the the kind of day we figured out the grammar of that was when we used a shot in Bright Lights, Big City, and he's reading a little piece of paper, and I used the bit of audio clip that said, you know, Gary David Goldberg and gave me his script from Steven Spielberg. And we didn't want to say Back to the Future. It was, oh, we're just trying to play with it. And and then 
But it was the moment I put the musical motif from Back to the Future that kind of goes diddling. And when that happened, I got excited because, look, I'm a Back to the Future nut. And, and I was like, okay, I don't want to get too excited because this, this could just come across as ludicrous or it's kind of silly. And, and like David said, I was in London and he was in LA. So I sent it to him and I had to wait basically for 12 hours to see if he would go for it. And Davis was, as usual, was like, this is going to work. Let's go for this. Like, don't be afraid. I got, a, I, I kind of got slightly afraid of it because I thought, I don't know if this, you know, I've never seen this before and people might, and, and, and in fairness to Davis, he said, don't, don't worry about it. Just do it and it'll work. <laughs> well, according to Michael Hart, uh, I had never seen Back to the Future. Which is what what he uh, what, what he what came out in the Times this weekend. So I just want to. Um, so hadn't if I hadn't seen it, Michael, I wouldn't have known that musical motif. So it was FYI. I said I said I said I'm not sure if he'd seen Back to the Future too. That's what I said. So we should get we should kind of. Oh, he's gone. Oh, did we lose? Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. I'm just, I'm just... <laughs> he left yeah. the interview. He was so upset. He left the interview momentarily. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Well, I mean, there is just such an incredible amount of uh, you know, not only the the stuff you shot for the film recreations and interviews, but all of the archival footage spanning decades. Michael, how did you organize this project? How did you sort through all of these things to be able to find those? Sometimes it's very brief moments, very, just really flashes of things. How did you stay organized? You, you probably don't want to know. I mean, it's it's. I am obsessive about the material. I mean, I, I think Davis laughs because my life is chaotic. My whole life is completely. I can't get on top of it. But in an edit, I can. I I get obsessive about material, about organizing it, and and I've done it for years. And and so some directors get a bit freaked out by it because it takes a long time. And we can't do any cutting. And I always say, I promise this will pay off in the end. Fairness to Davis, he gave me the space and the time to do that. And I remember requesting six or seven weeks to go through the archive. Didn't think I'd get it. And he said, okay, if you think that's what's going to take, do it. And um, I watch material and I make markers. It's as simple as this, like notes within the Avid. And I'll write something and I have a system in my head that I start to build. And um, we hadn't decided necessarily that we were going to do the things we do with the movie clips at that point when I'd started to watch the material. But in the back of my mind, I was, for some reason, was just saying, well, there's a shot of him doing this and there's that may come in handy. And um, and then I have an option just to search for some stuff. But um, so it's kind of kind of a technical, a boring technical way. But 
it took weeks, if not months, to just always stay on top of that. And I've done it for years, and I do it in every project. But this was the this was like the Everest. I'm like, I, I do not know. That said, I had a good, very good assistant editor, a couple of assistant editors, well working in the background, going through Spin City, and um, the Spin City was easy because we knew exactly what we were looking for at that point. That's easier archive to organize because we're like, you know, he he's in the. He's really struggling with his Parkinson's at that point. So we we identified that from season three. But, but, but I would also add that, you know, you know the material so well, but there are two scenes that are just take a leap of imagination that I think a lot of people just wouldn't. Not, I mean, there's so many scenes, actually. But the two that I think are remarkable that I don't think I would have had the just the imagination to do it are there's one scene where Michael J. Fox is auditioning in front of Mike, uh, Gary David Goldberg, and you don't see Michael J. Fox. You see Gary David Goldberg. And then another scene, a few minutes later, where he's talking to Gary, Gary David Goldberg, where Gary David Goldberg gives him the script of Back to the Future, and you don't see Gary David Goldberg. Mm. And the so knowing, you know, Michael's talking about knowing the material really well. The ability for Michael Hart to, to take that leap and say, the audience can go with this. Mm without seeing one one side of one conversation and the, and the exact opposite of the other side of the other conversation. And, and no one has ever said, wait a minute, <laughs> where's Michael yeah. J. Fox? And, and that's, look, this also may, may sound a little boring, but people always ask me all the time, what's the key, you know, when you're trying to be creative, what is it? And, and it's some people say inspiration or going off to the mountains. And I genuinely believe it's organization. If, I, if you know your material inside out, and I mean every shot, and it's impossible for me to know every shot on this, but what happens is you will then do, um, you will try out creative things because you know where everything is. There's a part of your, if you're not organized, there's a part of you that goes, don't try it because it's going to take too much work to find that stuff. And and in this case, it, it was a feat of organization more than anything. <laughs> but also the, the, myself and Davis at that point in the edits, we didn't know each other before we started this project. We'd never met. And the first day we met was, on a Zoom for a couple of weeks before the edit, but we had complete trust in each other. He would say, "Do this," and and, and he let me do it. And then I started to believe in the film he was trying to make, and and, and that that's the other thing was kind of it's, it was trust to do it, and and don't be afraid to try new things and be creative, and, and that's that's a godsend and an edit for me because you know what else are we here for but to be creative, you know. Well, that creativity definitely paid off. I love the film. One last question before I let you guys go. Um, Davis, this is very random. You brought up It Might Get Loud. Um, I always, for some reason, remember that's the first movie I ever streamed on any streaming service ever. Netflix, when it first launched, was It Might Get Loud. Wow. Uh, so when... As as streaming services over the last you know more than a decade now have have impacted the industry in general, how has that really impacted the documentary world? As documentaries are so much more available to audiences than they ever were. Well, it, you know, it's not. A, some people say it's all bad, and some people say it's all good, and I think it's both. That you know, the the the, the nonfiction world has just exploded with the ability. You know, first of all, a market where. They're making much more stuff because there's an appetite to see it and you can find it anywhere. There's times my father made documentaries and you literally could not see his movies unless you drove to a museum or you ordered a DVD from my sister, which took like six weeks for her to like send it in the mail. And now you can look up a documentary and you can see it. So the access is we can't can never go backwards on that. 
you know, Michael Hart and I have seen it, the, the, our movie played in, in theaters, like at Sundance and at South by Southwest and in Copenhagen and New York. And there is nothing like, you know, seeing um, this movie in a crowd in a big theater because there's, there's all this shared laughter and the shared experience. And I, and I, I have to applaud Apple TV Plus for, for, for taking the last, since January, so January, February, March, April, May, like five months to sort of roll it out that way and allow those screenings to happen. And then now this weekend it's up. And uh, the other, the other part of that is that um, I'm having like people I've, I haven't talked to in 20 years. Yes, see him. Like, and, and they're like, Oh, you know, and then, and, and they've watched it. And so that, that's a reach that the theatrical experience can't do. So it's both and right. Um, and as long as the streamers are committed to, presenting the movie in a big theater um you know and with, to, to 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 exhibit the, the craft that um that has been put into it that then 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 it's good awesome davis michael thank you so much for your time and again thank you for the film i really loved it and can't wait for more people to see it thank you thanks have a good afternoon Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for the documentary film Still, a Michael J. Fox movie, Davis Guggenheim, and the film's editor, Michael Hart, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Still, a Michael J. Fox movie is now available to stream on Apple TV+. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.